الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على عبد الله ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد So this first part of the program and inshallah ta'ala the entire program is being broadcast live inshallah ta'ala on uh, my YouTube channel which is YouTube forward slash Muhammad Tim and inshallah ta'ala there's a number of different topics and the organizers jazahumallahu khaira have chosen some really nice a really nice variety of topics they are linked together in a subtle and gentle way but there's quite a variety so there's quite a lot of topics to go through and inshallah ta'ala each topic is set at around about an hour 45 minutes to an hour and there's also a Q&A session as well to make the live stream kind of easier for people to manage it's never easy when you're watching a five hour live stream so to make it easier for them to manage what we will do inshallah is we will break each talk down into a separate topic which is broadcast live and inshallah ta'ala as long as the network continues to work we will uh, continue to broadcast that live inshallah for whoever wants to catch it at home our first topic is a really really beautiful topic and it's a topic that brings the heart closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it's a topic that I spoke about recently but we're going to be speaking about it from a slightly different angle today so the topic is getting closer to, to Allah through prayer and dua or through dua and prayer and inshallah ta'ala this topic of how to get closer to Allah through dua there will be some overlap as to what I spoke about in the program in Durban in South Africa for those who are watching the YouTube channel but we're also going to be talking about the prayer inshallah and the connection of the prayer to dua as well as the connection of the prayer to getting near to Allah Azza wa Jal so there's going to be some overlap in what we spoke about if you didn't catch the lecture from Durban then this will be completely new if you did then there's going to be a little bit of overlap but also some new content as well so as we said this is a topic that brings the heart closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala I want you to think about how the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam described dua he said dua it is worship now to understand this statement of the Prophet ﷺ, I would actually like you to think about another statement that he made, which is not connected to dua, when he said, Al-Hajju Arafah. Hajj is Arafah. When he said Hajj is Arafah, Hajj is Arafah. It's like telling you that the main thing in the whole of Hajj, the thing that you cannot miss, you can't make up for it, you can't pay a penalty for it the one thing in Hajj that you must do and you must not miss under any circumstances is Arafah and so he said Al-Hajju Arafah Hajj is Arafah Hajj is Arafah and in the same style of sentence he said Al-Dua'u huwa al-Ibadah Dua is Ibadah Meaning that in reality, now, all of the ibadah you do 
ibadah, worship of Allah is exemplified through dua. And the essence of worship in Islam is shown through making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is from the most important acts of worship that a person can do. And the acts of worship, which in, out of all of the acts of worship, the one that most closely aligns with the concept of ibadah, or one of them that is the most, the closest to the idea of ibadah, it is dua. And for that reason, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمُ دُعُونِي أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ عَنْ عِبَادَتِي سَيَدْخُلُونَ جَهَنَّمَ دَاخِرِينَ Allah said, your Lord said, make dua to me and I will answer you. So first of all, this is a command from Allah Azza wa Jal to make dua to him. And a promise from Allah that he will answer you. So the commands of Allah are not to be disobeyed. Allah commanded you, ud'uni, make dua to me. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised you, inna Allah Allah does not break his promise. Allah promised you, أستجب لكم. I will answer you. So nobody should ever feel like their dua will not be answered. Or ever feel like their dua is being wasted. Or ever feel that they are too sinful or too far away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to answer. وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّاعِ إِذَا دَعَانِ فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُوا لِي وَلْيُؤْمِنُوا بِي لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْشُدُونَ The statement of Allah Azza wa Jal If my servants ask about me If my servants ask about me Then say that I am near If my servants ask about me Tell them that I am near. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is near in his knowledge. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his sight, in his hearing of the person who makes dua. In answering the dua of the person, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ I am near. أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّاعِ إِذَا دَعَانِ I will answer the dua of the person who makes dua to me. So Allah promised you, if you make dua to Allah, He will answer you. And Allah promised you that the people who make dua to Allah, He will answer them. Notice that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here didn't actually limit this by any group of people. He didn't say, when the prophets make dua to me, I will answer. When the Siddiqeen make dua to me, I will answer. But rather Allah made it general. If you make dua to me, I will answer you. These people who are too proud to worship me. What do you notice here? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes dua and ibadah synonymous. He uses the same word. In other words, sometimes he speaks and he says ibadah and sometimes he says dua and the two words here in the ayah mean the same thing. Those people who are too proud to worship me, meaning too proud to make dua to me, they will enter Jahannam disgraced. And Allah Azza wa Jal said, وَأَنَّ الْمَسَاجِدَ لِلَّهِ فَلَا تَدْعُوا مَعَ اللَّهِ أَحَدًا 
The masajid, the masajid, the mosque, it belongs to Allah. So do not make dua to anyone besides Allah. So just like you wouldn't come to the masjid and you wouldn't pray to someone other than Allah inside this masjid. You wouldn't come to this masjid and pray to an idol. You wouldn't come to this masjid and pray to a saint. You wouldn't come to this masjid and pray to a grave. You come to this masjid to pray to Allah. As you pray in this masjid for Allah alone, so your dua is for Allah Azza wa Jal alone. فَلَا تَدْعُوا مَعَ اللَّهِ أَحَدًا Don't make dua to anyone besides Allah Azza wa Jal. One of the ways that dua makes you near to Allah and coming close to Allah, building a connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is that you are showing the essence of worship. So what do we mean by this? What is the essence of worship? What is ibadah? If someone said to you, and it doesn't need a definition, because ibadah, you know, for example, if I said to you, give me example of worship. Give me one example of worship. So a lot of things go through people's minds. For example, someone might say sajda, right? Sujood. When you put your forehead on the ground and your hands on the ground and you lower yourself and you say, Subhana Rabbi al-A'la. Exalted in perfection is my Lord the Most High. And you've lowered yourself to the lowest that a person can put themselves. You put yourself down on the floor in your face, which is the most honorable part of your body. You put it on the floor and you lowered it into the ground. And you said, Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la. Exalted is my Lord the Highest. So what is the essence of ibadah? From just this example, to lower yourself with complete humility and with complete love. That is perhaps the spirit of ibadah. If you wanted to talk about the spirit of it or the essence of it, it is to, to humble yourself or to lower yourself with complete humility and complete love. That's what makes you bury your forehead into the ground before your Lord who is Al-A'la, the Most High. And that is what you find in dua, the same essence of it. So now we're talking about parallels between the dua and the prayer. We're talking about parallels between the dua and the prayer. So from the parallels between dua and the prayer is that they both contain the essence and the spirit of ibadah. When you pray, you lower yourself, you bow down, you put your forehead in the ground, you lower yourself completely, total humility. And when you make dua, the same feeling should be there, the same connection should be there. And some of the scholars, they call it Al-Inkisaru Bayna Yadayillahi subhanahu wa ta'ala Appearing broken Presenting yourself as broken before Allah. As Allah said, Ya ayyuhan nasu antumul fuqara'u ila Allah. Wallahu huwa al-ghaniyul hamid. O mankind, you are the fuqara. You people are in poverty. 
But some of us are wealthy and some of us are poor. So what does it mean? All of you, all mankind, all of you are living in poverty. Meaning in need. All of you are in need of Allah. And Allah is Al-Ghaniyul Hamid. The one who is free of all need. Al-Ghani. What does it mean when we say that Allah is the most rich? Al-Ghani. It doesn't mean, it doesn't, it's not limited in meaning to the issue of, of wealth. Yani. That Allah is the one who gives you your rizq and Allah is al-razzaq. Al-Ghani is the one who doesn't need anyone else for anything. So when you present yourself before Allah, you present yourself in the same spirit and the same feeling as when you make sujood. The same feeling, the same need of Allah. That, oh Allah, I am as low as I can be. And you are Al-Aliyul A'la, the most high, the highest, Al-Muta'al, the supremely high. And as for me, I am faqir. I am desperate. I am mutar. I'm in desperate need. Like Ya'qub when he said, and Allah told us, he said it in the Quran, إِنَّمَا أَشْكُوا بَثِّي وَحُزْنِي إِلَى اللَّهِ وَأَعْلَمُ مِنَ اللَّهِ مَا لَا تَعْلَمُونَ I only complain of my grief and sorrow to Allah, and I know about Allah that which you do not know. Or I have knowledge from Allah that you do not know. So he complained of his grief and sorrow. Oh Allah, I'm in desperate need of you. You are Al-Ghani, you don't need me. If I never worshipped you, it wouldn't take anything away from your kingdom. And if everyone on the earth worshipped you, it wouldn't add anything to what you have. Allah is Al-Ghani, doesn't need us at all in any single thing. So this showing your need of Allah and showing your humility before Allah this is what makes dua the essence of worship. Allah Azza wa Jal said, أَمَّا يُجِيبُ الْمُضْطَرَّ إِذَا دَعَى وَيَكْشِفُ السُّوءُ وَيَجَعَلُكُمْ خُلَفَاءَ الْأَرْضِ أَإِلَاهُمْ مَعَ اللَّهِ قَلِيلًا مَا تَذَكَّرُونَ Who is it that answers the one in desperate need when they make dua to him? And who is it that removes harm from you? And who is it that gives you authority on the earth? Is there any God worthy of worship besides Allah? How little is it that you remember? Allah is the one that we call upon in desperation. Muttar. In fact, Allah tells us to call upon Him in this state. Ud'u rabbakum tadarru'an wa khufya. Call upon your Lord, tadarru'an, showing your desperation. In a state of humility, call upon your Lord like this, tadarru'an wa khufya, and in private. And we know the Prophet ﷺ, he said, jalali wal ikram, kama qal. He said, beg, the one beg Allah by saying Ya Dal Jalali wal Ikram. And Alidhu here means Alihu Allah. Beg Allah. Plead with Allah. Using his name, Ya Dal Jalali, or using his name, Dal Jalali Wal Ikram. Or he said Alidhu Biyadil Jalali wal Ikram or Kamaqat. Close to that, he said. That plead with Allah 
by saying, Ya Dal Jalali Wal Ikram. So we see the essence of dua is this idea of complete humility and complete need of Allah. And that's why the more you make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the more Allah gives you. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't have any limit to what He can give you in what you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for. And that's why Allah said, The people who are too proud to make dua to me, they will enter Jahannam disgraced. Why? What did they do wrong? If I don't make dua to Allah, if I never ask Allah for something, what's my sin? What did I do wrong? Is dua not something recommended? What's my sin? The sin is believing that I am so in control of myself and so... Uh, have so much power and so much uh, in this world that I don't need to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why Allah described it as istikbar, being arrogant. That the people who don't make dua to Allah, this in itself is arrogance. It's arrogance. And that's why Allah said, The people who are too proud to worship me, they will enter Jahannam. Disgraced. As for feeling this way of nearness or getting, feeling this connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in dua, then the essence of this is at-tawassul al-mashru'ah. The permissible kinds of tawassul. Allah azza commanded us to find a means of nearness to Him. Seek a means of nearness to Allah. In other words, seek a means of coming near to Allah in your dua. And there's no doubt that even if we just talk from our basic experience, the person who says, Allah forgive me, is not the same as the person, for example, who in a state of wudu raises their hands and says, Ya Rabb, Ya Ghafoor. We know there's a difference in the quality of dua and the nearness that the dua brings you to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We know there's a difference. And there's a difference in quality and nearness. So this issue of tawassul is about finding a means to come near to Allah through your, through your dua. Finding a means of coming near to Allah azzawajal in your dua. And there's no doubt that a tawassul, it can be divided into two types. Tawassulun. Mashru' wa tawassul mamnu' A tawassul that is permitted and one that is forbidden. And the one that is forbidden can be divided into two types. Tawassul bid'i wa tawassul shirki. Tawassul that represents making a partner with Allah and one that represents an innovation. And we know the Prophet said, Man amila amalan laysa alayhi amruna rad. Whoever does an action that's not in accordance with what we have come with in this religion, it will be rejected uh, from them, will not be accepted. So if we talk about the way of building a connection with Allah, so we must make dua to Allah in the way that we have been taught, with the etiquettes that we've been taught to make dua, and the means of getting near to Allah through our, through our dua. And I'm going to mention to you, perhaps I'm going to mention to you six, maybe more or less, of the ways of getting near to Allah 
in your dua. The first and the most important of them is coming near to Allah in your dua, building a connection in your dua by mentioning Allah's names and attributes. وَلِلَّهِ الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنَى فَدْعُوهُ بِهَا Allah has the most perfect and beautiful names. So make dua to Allah with them. And this is the most common form of tawassul that we find in the sunnah and in the Quran. Look at the duas of the prophets and try to find the dua of the prophets that doesn't have one of Allah's names or attributes in it. You can barely find, right? If you can even find at all. Any example where a prophet made dua and didn't mention Allah's names. Let me just give you some examples of making dua with Allah's names that are found in the Quran. The statement of Ibrahim that Allah told us in the Quran and Ismail. رَبَّنَا تَقَبَّلْ مِنَّا Our Lord, that's Allah's name, right? Al-Rabb. Accept from us, you are As-Sami' Al-Alim, the one who hears everything and knows everything. And it's even better in this tawassul if you choose a name which is appropriate to your dua. So let's take this dua of Ibrahim and Ismail. Rabbana taqabbal minna. What is their dua? What's the actual dua itself? If you take the names away. Taqabbal minna. Accept from us. They're asking Allah for acceptance. Right? They're making dua for Allah to accept the building of the Kaaba. When they built the foundations of the Kaaba and they said, Rabbana taqabbal minna. So the dua is, taqabbal minna, accept from us. Why mention Allah's name, Ar-Rabb, here? From the best of what I have seen said on this, and there are many people who mentioned it in different ways, but Sa'di rahimullah ta'ala, he does a very good job of explaining it. That one of the meanings of Ar-Rabb, the Lord, is the concept of Al-Murabbi, the one who nurtures you and raises you. Allah nurtured you from nothing and you were born, you didn't know anything, you didn't even have any, any way of staying alive, of, of sustaining yourself, you had nothing. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused you to grow and develop. But that's not the greatest tarbiyah that Allah gave you. What's the greatest nurturing Allah gave you? What do you think? The greatest way that Allah nurtured you. In what? Islam. In Islam, in your iman. In Islam. So the prophets, were they given a greater portion of that than others? They were, right? They were given a greater portion of Iman and they were given a greater knowledge of Islam than anyone else. So they, in thanking Allah and reminding themselves of Allah's blessing, they say, Rabbana, our Lord. To remind themselves that it is Allah who nurtured them as children to adults. Allah nurtured them with Iman 
And Allah nurtured them even more than that with prophethood. That's why you rarely see a dua of a prophet that doesn't contain the words, Rabbana, our Lord, yani our nurturer here. That's what it means. Our nurturer. Who nurtured us as children to adults, who nurtured us with Islam and Iman. And for those prophets, they nurtured them with prophethood. Taqabbal minna, accept from us. What's the connection of these two names with acceptance of dua? The one who hears everything, so Allah hears your dua. So they're saying, oh Allah, we know that you hear this dua of ours because you are a samir. And we know that you know our intention because you are al-alim. You know what we are doing. You know our intention, you know what is in our hearts, you know that we wish and we beg you to accept it. So they use those two names, As-Sami' Al-Alim. And those two names fit very well with the concept of acceptance of dua. Rabbana taqabbal minna innaka anta sami' Al-Alim. Continuing on, when they said at the end of the next ayah and they asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they asked Allah azza wa jal to accept their repentance, right? وَتُوبَ alayna. Accept our repentance What names did they connect to the repentance? At-Tawwab Ar-Rahim إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ التَّوَّابُ الرَّحِيمُ So they connected to repentance, the name At-Tawwab, which is the one who constantly accepts repentance. So the name matches what's been asked for. وَتُبَ alayna, Accept our repentance. You are At-Tawwab, the one who always accepts repentance. Ar-Rahim, the one who gives mercy to whoever he wants. Because remember, there's a difference between Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim. Ar-Rahman is that Allah Himself is infinitely merciful. It's a description of Allah that Allah is infinitely merciful. Ar-Rahim connects to the action itself. That Allah doesn't give that mercy out equally to everybody. Did Allah give that mercy equally to the Kafir and to the Muslim? No. Did Allah give it equally to the Prophet and to the regular believer? No, He didn't. Allah gave that mercy in the way that He knows best. Allah gave it according to His infinite knowledge that He knows best. Allah gave that mercy to some people more than others. Everyone got a share of Allah's mercy. Even the kafir got a share of Allah's mercy. But... Allah's, the, the depth of Allah or, or the reality of Allah's mercy and the majority of Allah's mercy, Allah saved it for the believers. So when asking Allah for forgiveness, to call upon Him by At-Tawwab, the one who accepts a repentance, and Ar-Rahim, the one who gives mercy to whoever He wants. Asking for a share of mercy that is greater than everyone else. Because I'm asking for an extra share of mercy now. I'm asking for the mercy which relates to my sins. An extra share of it. As for calling upon Allah by using His attributes, there are many examples of this. 
For example, أعوذ بكلمات الله التامات من شر ما خلق. I seek refuge through the perfect words of Allah. And I seek refuge through the perfect words of Allah from the evil that He created. And so asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make His words the reason for you to be protected from evil. Again, look how it matches. But what you don't do is you don't make dua to the attribute. So you don't say, Ya rahmat Allah, ighfirli. Or Ya rahmat Allah, irhamni. You don't say, Oh mercy of Allah, have mercy on me. You say, Oh Allah, have mercy on me. Oh Ar-Rahman, have mercy on me. Oh Rahim, have mercy on me. But you don't say, Oh mercy of Allah, have mercy on me. Because this feels like you're making dua to someone else, right? It's like you separated Allah's attribute from him. So we, yani the names all refer back to Allah. So when you make dua with Allah's attributes, you make it with B, with the attribute. A'udhu bi kalimatillahi tamat. That I ask Allah, O oh Allah, through these words, and yani with these words, through these words, keep me safe from the evil that you have created. The second is to mention Allah's ni'mah that He's given you. To mention Allah's ni'mah upon you, Allah's favor upon you. And Allah many times He tells us, Uthkuru ni'matallahi alaykum. Remember, remind yourself of Allah's mercies and blessings that He's given you. So, for example, the dua of uh, the at the very end of Surah Yusuf, he mentions the blessings of Allah Azza wa Jal upon him before he mentions what he wants. He says, "Rabbi qad aataytani min al-mulk." Oh my Lord, Allah's names again. You gave me my kingdom. And you taught me how to interpret dreams. You are the creator of the heavens and the earth. So that's again, he's calling upon Allah as the creator. The creator of the heavens and the earth. You are my protector in this world and the next. After all of that, he then makes dua. Tawaffani Musliman wa Cause me to die as a Muslim and put me together with the righteous. Join me together with the, with the righteous. So what we can see from this is what? Mentioning Allah's blessings. Mentioning Allah's blessings. My Lord, you gave me my kingdom. My Lord, you gave me the ability to interpret dreams. My Lord, I'm asking you to make me die as a Muslim and to join me among the righteous. So he brought this issue of mentioning or recognizing that Allah's blessings. Al-i'tirath. So you're confessing and admitting to the blessings of Allah. There's even, this is even more clearly mentioned in the dua which is called Sayyidul Istighfar. It's called Sayyid 
Al-istighfar. The best dua you can ask forgiveness with. Let's break this dua down. Allahumma anta rabbi la ilaha illa ant. O oh my Lord, O oh Allah, you are my Lord. So it mentions the name Allah and it mentions the name Ar-Rabb, the Lord. There is no God worthy of worship but you. خَلَقْتَنِي وَأَنَا عَبْدُكَ You created me and I am your servant. وَأَنَا عَلَىٰ عَهْدِكَ وَوَعْدِكَ مَسْتَطَعْتَ And I remain in uh, trying to follow your covenant and your promise as much as I can. As much as I can follow what you've told me to do, I'm trying. أَبُوءُ لَكَ بِنِعْمَتِكَ عَلَيْهِ I confess before you to the blessings that you gave me. This is the point I wanted. I confess to the blessings you give me. I admit the blessings that you've given me. And I confess to my sins. It's not just about confessing your sins. I confess, I admit that you gave me all these blessings. And I confess and I admit that I have done all of these sins. So forgive me. فَإِنَّهُ لَا يَغْفِرُ الذُّنُوبَ إِلَّا أَنْتْ Because nobody forgives sins except you. Just going back to the first topic, there's a point I missed out on Allah's names. From among the best of what we can do is to call upon Allah with Allah's greatest name or Allah's greatest names. As the Prophet heard several of the Sahaba making dua, and he said, for example, He has just made dua to Allah with Allah's greatest name. If he is asked by this name, he will give. And if dua is made to him by this name, he will answer. Now, uh, I recently gave a, a khutbah on this topic. And actually, there's a lot of points to talk about. But let's just summarize it just briefly and let's just I mean, bring it together and summarize it and say the strongest opinions about Allah's greatest name are three. The first is that it is the name Allah because that's the name that comes in all of the hadith and the ayat that mention Allah's greatest name is that it is the name Allah. The second is that it is the name Al-Hayyul Qayyum. Al-Hayyul Qayyum, the ever-living, the sustainer of all existence. And the third is that it's not one name, but it's a group of names. It's here, the word ism, it doesn't mean a name, but it means jinsul asma. It means a group of names. All of them, they have comprehensive and multiple meanings. They don't just have one meaning. Like, for example, if you look at the name As-Samad, or you look at the name, for example, uh, Al-Quddus, for example. Or you look at the name Al-Hay, or Al-Qayyum, or the name Allah. All of these names have not just one meaning, but many, many, many meanings. Al-Hamid, they have many, many meanings within them. And so, these names that have many meanings, again, some of the scholars, they said this is Allah's greatest name. So using these names in your dua, you know, make sure you use the name Allah. Make sure you use the name 
Al-Hayyul Qayyum or the names Al-Hayyul Qayyum. Make sure you use the name Dhul uh, Jalali Wal Ikram. Make sure you use the name, for example, As-Samad. Uh, and these other names that have these comprehensive meanings, try to use these names as much as you can in your dua. The third one we're going to mention, uh, we said, we've already mentioned it, which is appearing broken before Allah and, and complaining of your problem before Allah. The fourth one we're going to mention is to mention your good deeds. And this comes a lot in the Quran. To mention something good that you've done while making dua. Very common. In fact, it's, it's extremely common in the Quran. Rabbana innana amanna. Our Lord, we have certainly believed. So forgive our sins. My Lord, our Lord, we have believed in you and we followed your messenger. So write us among the people who witness this. So mentioning your good deeds, you all remember the story of the people of the cave. The rock covers the cave and they make each one of them comes near to Allah by mentioning one good deed that they did. Each one of them mentions one good deed that they did. Every one good deed they mentioned, the stone moves a little bit out of the way of the cave until it comes away completely and they can leave the entrance of the cave. So this is also a way of getting near to Allah, building a connection with Allah in your dua. Likewise, to mention the outcome that you want. To mention the outcome that you want. So again, if we look at the, the dua of Ibrahim, that's mentioned in Surah Ibrahim, he said, رَبَّنَا إِنِّي أَسْكَنْتُ مِنْ ذُرِّيَّةِ بِوَادٍ غَيْرِ ذِي زَرْعٍ عِنْدَ بَيْتِكَ الْمُحَرَّمِ رَبَّنَا لِيُقِيمُ الصَّلَاةِ فَاجْعَلْ أَفْئِدَةً مِنَ النَّاسِ تَهْوِي إِلَيْهِمْ وَارْزُقْهُمْ مِنَ الثَّمَرَاتِ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَشْكُرُونَ Twice this comes in this dua. He says, our Lord, I have left my family or my descendants to live in a valley that has no green plants. I left them in a barren valley. Next to your sacred house. The barren valley is which place? Makkah, right? I left them in, your, in a valley that has nothing to eat. So he's complaining of, it, of their situation. And he's mentioning their situation. We said from the means of getting near to Allah is to mention your situation, to complain of your problems. My Lord, I have left my family in a valley that has nothing to eat next to your sacred house. Our Lord, so that they can perform the prayer. So now this tawassul here, he's now saying, my Lord, the reason I am asking you this dua is to help my family to pray. So that they can pray. So make a group of the people inclined towards them. Or make the hearts of the people inclined towards them. And give them fruits. Why? لَعَلَّهُمْ يَشْكُرُونَ So that they will be grateful. 
So again, he's saying, give my family fruits. Why? So they will be grateful. So mentioning the outcome that the person hopes for from this dua. And the sixth one that I want to mention is the issue of asking someone to make dua for you. This one here, I draw a line between the others and this one. Why? Because the others are unrestricted. The first five I mentioned, they have no restrictions and no limits. Okay? You can make dua with Allah's names. You can mention what you want. You can complain of your situation. You can mention Allah's blessings. You can, there are so many, and there's no limit to it. But this sixth one, it has some conditions and it has some limits. And that's why I bring it separately. From the conditions is that the person you are asking must be alive. Now before we start talking about the barzakh, we're not talking about being alive in the barzakh. Alive in this world. And the person must be present with you. That, could, that doesn't mean in front of you. Yani in, you are speaking to them in a normal way. Yani. Whether you phone them or they're in front of you. You are not calling upon them in their absence. Yeah, Sheikh, so and so, help me. And you're not calling upon those that have died. You cannot make the dead here. So you don't call, call upon those that died and you don't call upon those that are absent from you. But those who are present with you, who are alive, the life of this world. There's another condition or a recommendation. And that is the, the recommendation is that you don't do this too often and you don't become reliant on it. Otherwise, what will happen is you will stop making dua for yourself and all you will do is ask other people, Ahi will make dua for me. Sometimes people come and say, make dua for me. Wallah, you want to say to them, Ahi, Wallah, just one time make dua for yourself. Because you see this person, their habit is to do nothing about their problems and just go from person to person and say, Akhi, Wallah, make dua for me. If you look at the Sahaba, radiallahu anhum, they lived among the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, right? And the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi his dua, generally speaking, was accepted every single time. And the vast majority, that the number of times that Allah did not accept his dua is any tiny. But you don't see the Sahaba asking the Prophet every day, make dua for me, make dua for me, make dua for me. But when it was important and when they made dua for themselves and they were struggling or something that was in the general need of the Muslims, like a drought or, you know, a flood. So they would come and say, make dua. Uh, but this was limited because when you do it too much into a habit of laziness and so on. I'm going to mention one more way and I'm going to link it to the Salah. I'm going to do five more minutes, inshallah. So I'm going to link this to the Salah. I've done, yani I'm only just summarizing because the time is short. I want to talk about the hadith in which the Prophet wasallam said that Allah said, Man Whoever shows enmity to a beloved servant of mine, I have declared war upon them. The importance of this hadith is that Allah tells you how to become beloved to him. Allah tells you how to become a wali and how to become someone who is beloved to Allah. So Allah said, 
My servant cannot come close to me with something. He can't come close to me with something more beloved to me than what I made obligatory for him. That means if you want your dua to be accepted and you want to build that link with Allah, you have to start with what? Al-fara'id wal-wajibat. The obligatory deeds. You have to start with the obligatory deeds. Sometimes people are making dua to Allah and they're not doing any single thing in terms of the deeds that they're supposed to be doing. Now that doesn't mean their dua will not be accepted. Rather Allah can accept their dua. But if you really want to build a connection to Allah through your dua, you need to build it by starting with al-fara'id wal-wajibat. The obligatory deeds and the, yani the deeds that you must do. And then Allah Azza wa Jal says, the Prophet tells us that Allah Azza wa Jal said, وَلَا يَزَالُ عَبْدِي يَتَقَرَّبُ إِلَيَّ بِالنَّوَافِلِ حَتَّى أُحِبَّهِ And my servant will not cease to come near to me through voluntary deeds until I love him. So that means you started off with obligatory deeds. And bear in mind the obligatory deeds are two types. There is what is wajib for you to do and what is wajib for you to leave. So what is wajib for you to do, we call it fard or we call it wajib. And what is wajib for you to leave, we're talking about the muharramat, the things which are haram. It's fard for you to leave them. So this is where you start. Then you build upon it with what? With voluntary deeds. Al-mustahabbat, again, voluntary deeds you're required to do, which we call the mustahabbat. And voluntary deeds which are things you can leave voluntarily. And those are when we're talking about leaving the makruhat, the things that are makruh. Disliked. This builds your connection with Allah until what? If, I, if he makes dua to me, I will definitely answer him. And if he seeks refuge with me, I will certainly give him refuge. How do you get to that level of a connection with Allah in your dua that anything you ask Allah, Allah answers you? And any time you ask for Allah's protection, He protects you by building upon the obligatory deeds and building the, the voluntary deeds, the recommended deeds and the voluntary deeds. So you start with what you must do and then the voluntary deeds. Now we're going to bring it back to the issue of the prayer because we talked about two things. Allah said, O you who believe, seek Allah's help through what? Sabr, patience, and through prayer. Prayer is the greatest obligation upon you after Tawheed, after the oneness of Allah and worshipping Allah alone, the greatest obligation upon you. So what did you do to the camera? I lost it. Yeah, that's it. That's fine. The greatest obligation that you have is the one is to worship Allah alone. After that obligation, the next greatest obligation that you have is to pray five times a day. 
This prayer, Allah says, it is how you ask Allah's help. Ista'inu. Seek Allah's help by praying. And prayer and dua have a very strong connection. The Prophet ﷺ, when he was troubled by something, he would rush to pray. When something would worry him, when he was troubled by something, he would rush to pray. On top of that now, the prayer contains many unique opportunities for dua. The prayer contains many unique opportunities for dua. The first opportunity that you have for dua in the prayer is Surah Al-Fatiha. Apart from, of course, dua al-istiftah and all that stuff. But I mean, as major opportunities for dua in the prayer, Surah Al-Fatiha is a dua that you make. At the end of it, you say, Ameen. You ask Allah to accept this dua. The second opportunity you have is your sujood. Aqrabu ma yakunu al-abd. Aqrabu ma yakunu al-abd ila rabbihi wa huwa sajid. The closest that a person can be to their Lord is when they're in prostration. And the Prophet ﷺ, he said, فَأَكْثِرُوا فِيهِ مِنَ الدُّعَاءِ أو كَمَا قَالْ Make lots of dua in that sujood. So that sujood is your place for dua. Okay? As for making dua in English, I would recommend that you don't do that in your fard prayer. I would not advise you to make dua in English in your fard prayer. In your sunnah prayers or your voluntary prayers, if you really don't know the dua in Arabic and you tried but you just you don't know it at all or you don't find any dua, then you can make it in English. But still better to stick with the words of the Prophet The next opportunity for dua in the prayer is after the tashahud. Let him choose the dua that he likes the most. Let him choose the dua that he likes the most. So now when you're in the tashahud and you finished your, your main duas and you did, uh, you know, Allahumma a'inni ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husni ibadatik and you did all the duas that you had to do, now you can choose whichever dua that you like and you can make dua as long as you want before you give the salam. So this is another opportunity. And in fact, some people make a common mistake and we maybe can finish with this. One common mistake that a lot of people make is they make their dua after the salah. Yani for example, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, and then they make dua after the salah or after the salam. Whereas the time to make dua is before the salam. Let him choose whichever dua he likes the most yani before the salam, before he gives salam. As for after the salam, it's a time for zikr, right? Astaghfirullah, 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 Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam, tabarakta yadha al-jalali wal-ikram. And you do your subhanallah and alhamdulillah and Allahu Akbar, you do them on your fingers like this, right? You close your fingers like this. So the time for after the prayer is dhikr as for before the salam this is the time for dua one last way that you can get near to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is too much to talk about but just one last thing look at the times and places and situations where your dua is accepted and one I want to tell you about a lot of people miss out on a lot of people know for example there's a time on Friday before Maghrib when your dua is accepted uh, a lot of people know for example when the rain falls 
a lot of people know when they're traveling that their dua can be accepted and so on. But what a lot of people don't know is between the adhan and the iqamah. And this, there are some ahadith that say the dua between the adhan and the iqamah la yurad. It is not rejected by Allah. So when the adhan goes before the iqamah, stand and make dua or sit and make dua in the row. And raise your hands. I see people raising their hands after the salah. But raise your hands before, before the iqamah. And of course, part of getting near to Allah is looking at the things which distance you from Allah. So if you see, for example, some deeds are keeping you away from Allah, some things are keeping you away from Allah, the way you earn your living is keeping you away from Allah, then this is something to think about. How can you protect yourself? Or how can you ask Allah's protection so that these things don't come in the way between you and your dua? Like when the Prophet ﷺ, he mentioned a man who was on a long journey, dusty and disheveled. He raised his hands up to the heavens and he said, Ya Rabbi, Ya Rabbi, my Lord, my Lord. But his food was haram, his drink was haram, his clothing was haram. And then he was nourished, he was nourished upon the haram. How is Allah going to answer that dua of his? So look at the things, just like we said, the afar things bring you near to Allah, the haram takes you away. And it ruins that connection with Allah. So that tawbah and coming back to Allah and getting rid of the haram and looking at your life and cha making changes is also from the things that brings you near to Allah. And that concludes uh, a, a very, very fast uh, summary of the issue of get, building a connection to Allah or getting a connection to Allah through dua and through the prayer. As for the prayer which I believe builds the closest connection to Allah, this also has a connection with what? With dua. One of the times your dua is answered is the last third of the night. And that's the time of which prayer? The time of tahajjud, right? And in the night time, pray tahajjud to Allah as a voluntary act. Perhaps Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you the praiseworthy station and to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So this issue of tahajjud in the last third of the night it has two benefits. Number one, it's the best prayer after the faridah. The Prophet ﷺ, he said the best prayer after the obligatory prayer is Salatul Layl, the prayer in the nighttime. And it's a time where your dua is answered. It's a time where your dua is answered. The last third of the night. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala descends to the lowest heaven in a way that befits his majesty. And he says, Hal min sa'ilin is there anyone making, asking me for something so that I can give him? Is there someone that is seeking my forgiveness so that I can forgive them? And so on. So this time, again, look at the link between dua and between prayer. That's what Allah made easy for me to mention in this first session. Allah knows best. The subsequent sessions will come, inshallah, on the YouTube channel, bit by bit. That's what Allah made easy for me to mention for this one. Allah Azza wa Jalla knows best. There'll be a Q&A at the end of today, inshallah ta'ala. Last, last session, right? Inshallah. 
هذا والله أعلم والصلاة والسلام على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين